0: Hey there, my name is Jay Metcalf and welcome to the Better Sax Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe for all the great upcoming episodes you're not going to want to miss and make sure you check out the Better Sax YouTube channel and bettersax.com for more interviews, lessons, gear reviews and just to stay up to date with what's going on in the saxophone world. Who are the greatest alto saxophone players of all time? In today's video, I'm going to take you through my top 10 most influential alto saxophone players that every sax player and fan should know about. Jay Metcalf here from bettersax.com. This list, in no particular order, is 10 of the greatest and most influential saxophonists of all time. If you play the saxophone, you should be familiar with these musicians and their sound, style, and recordings. One of the most important yet overlooked components to getting better on the saxophone is listening and studying the history of the masters who laid the groundwork for everything that came out. After. So, I hope this video can serve as a starting point for anyone who's beginning their exploration. Let's get the obvious out of the way first, because without him, this list couldn't really be possible. Of course, I'm talking about Charlie Parker. Bird is known as the father of bebop, the innovator, the instigator, the creator. He is, without a doubt, one of the great musical geniuses of the 20th century, so far ahead of his time, if he were alive today, his playing would still sound contemporary. It's ironic that many musicians that came after him were accused of being Charlie Parker clones, when in reality, Bird's playing is still unmatched. As far as I know, this is the only existing live video of Bird playing. See that? He just, his octave key stuck, and he had to fix it. He's playing on his personalized King Super 20 here, which is now on display at the Smithsonian Museum of Black American Culture. They're playing the Tad Dameron tune Hot House, which is a contrafact, which means it's it's a new melody imposed over an existing set of chord changes. In this case, what is this thing called Love by Cole Porter? Notice there how he plays. He uses the E flat palm key to play a D. Which if you're if you're studying Charlie Parker transcriptions, that's something to take note of because he does that a lot and that'll make some of those passages easier for you. <laughs> something like that i mean the articulation the technique i mean mean, it's it's just everything is so effortless it's like it just pours right out of him he's so relaxed Mm. look at the fingers Barely move. The sound ugh, everything.
1: So lay back.
0: doesn't get any better than that. I wish we had more videos of Bird Blank. For me, that's a short, yet perfect solo. Next up, we've got Sonny Stitt. From 1956 to 1966, I count 68 albums, 68 albums recorded by Sonny Stitt, mostly as a leader, and there are dozens of other ones outside of that 10-year period. It's just a phenomenal amount of recordings, And they're all killer. If I start listening to Sonny Stitt, if I listen to one track, that's it. I'm off on a binge of Sonny Stitt for weeks sometimes. So while Sonny Stitt had been criticized for mimicking Bird, I don't think that is warranted. First of all, he clearly developed his own sound and style, albeit inspired by Bird. But as the great Bob Mover once said to me, if you don't have a little bit of Bird in your playing, you're doing it wrong. Check out this recording of Loverman from, I think, 1965. (laughs) That's a classic Sonny Stitt diminished lick he uses all the time. Look how much mouthpiece he takes in. Check out his finger technique. Really efficient movement. He's playing on a Mark VI with a Autolink Super Tone Master mouthpiece. of my all-time favorites. Next up is Julian Cannonball Adderley. Now, Cannonball goes in uh, a bit of a different direction. There's still that influence from Charlie Parker and the bebop language, but Cannonball has this very distinctive sound. It's got a lot of edge in it. The swing feel is very heavy. Let's check out this tune he's playing. Mmm. I mean, it's so bluesy. Everything he plays is so bluesy. Mm. Hear the eighth note swing really heavy? Check out his ambassade. Bottom lip is kind of rolled in, huh? And he doesn't take in that much mouthpiece. Not as much as Stitt, anyway.
1: Mm.
0: I can listen to Cannonball all day long. He plays on a King Super 20 as well, and that's a New York Meyer mouthpiece. Next up is Johnny Hodges, known for his singing, expressive tone, wide vibrato, and large bends. Hodges played in Duke Ellington's orchestra for almost his entire career from 1928 until 1970, except for a few years in there where he went off and pursued a solo career. He spent his whole time with Ellington. Now, Ellington would write compositions and arrangements featuring Hodges as a soloist like this version of I've Got It Bad we're about to listen to. That's like a typical Johnny Hodges bend. He does that by kind of, he's starting on E flat there, starting below the pitch, raises the pitch up with the jaw and the embouchure, and then slowly, very slowly, opens the E palm key, and that's how he gets that. (laughs) all about. Sound and expression. Mm. So tasteful. That's a Bisher Top Hat and Cane saxophone.
1: Sound. It's a sound.
0: He's playing on a, a Berg Larsen mouthpiece there as well. Watch this. Is that Russell broke up telling Jimmy Hamilton to tune up? Then he pulls out his mouthpiece, maybe. I love these videos for stuff like that. Amazing. Next up is Benny Carter. Benny Carter was a contemporary of Johnny Hodges, and while there are some similarities in their playing style, I can broadly generalize by saying Carter was more of a technical improviser, while Hodges was more of an emotional one. Benny Carter was also a prolific composer and arranger for big bands and all sorts of larger groups, and he also played the trumpet. Let's listen to him take a solo over Indiana, which is the chord progression that Donna Lee, the Contrafact by Charlie Parker, is based on. (laughs) Notice the the articulation and the vibrato. Amazing technique. Next up, we've got Jackie McLean, who is one of the most important alto saxophone players in all of jazz. His career spanned five decades of prolific recording and performing as a leader, but also as a sideman on many of the most iconic jazz records in the art form. J-Mac is an early pioneer of what we call hard bop. Bebop evolved into two distinct directions in the mid 50s. On one hand, you've got cool jazz, which had more of a Western classical music influence, And on the other side, you had Hard Bop, which was definitely a black American music. Unfortunately, I can't find an older video recording of Jackie playing. This one is from 1988, and it's with his son. Burn it. Yeah, he he goes out. He plays some tensions, and then he brings it back at the end of the blues chorus into something that's in the key, releasing the tension, building up tension more, and then it resolves very nicely. Masterful. Masterfully done. Lee Konitz is another highly influential, prolific saxophonist whose career spanned seven decades. He is one of the few to have developed a truly unique and individual improvisational style. Let's listen to him play a solo over Half Nelson, another contrafact based on the chord changes to Ladybird. <laughs> Konitz was known for his cool jazz recordings. Uh, He was on the iconic album uh, Birth of the Cool, which featured Miles Davis. Now, while many jazz improvisers have their vocabulary that gets used and reused all the time when they're soloing, when you listen to Lee Konitz, it's like you never hear the same thing twice. He really is creating new melodic material all the time. Kill it. Paul Desmond was heavily influenced by Lee Konitz, and he's definitely the most well known alto saxophone player in the cool jazz subgenre. Paul Desmond's the guy who wrote Take Five, the best selling jazz song ever. That was with the Dave Brubeck quartet. Uh, let's listen to him play over this uh, Billy Strayhorn tune, Take the A Train. Say Brubeck. His sound is on the darker end of the spectrum, and his articulation is very light and breathy. So, I mean, it's kind of like the the opposite of Jackie McLean and uh, Cannonball, let's say but he's like this such a thoughtful improviser he plays an idea and then he you could see him thinking about it and waiting and listening to the space and what was just played and then developing the idea And he's playing there. That's a Selmer super balanced action and a Gregory mouthpiece. Phil Woods carried on the bebop tradition of Charlie Parker, and you can hear a lot of that influence in his sound and phrasing. Let's listen to him play a solo on A Night in Tunisia, which is a tune by Dizzy Gillespie. Swing feel. Uh, very creative improviser, always. He's playing on a uh, Summer Mark VI and a uh, New York Meyer. He actually married Charlie Parker's widow and outside of the jazz world he's probably best known for his solo on the billy joel tune just the way you are where in the fade out he blows a bunch of like heavy bebop licks and i love that tune because first of all it's like a samba groove with like bebop in it and let go listen to it when he plays that part where he sneaks in that flat five i love it ornette coleman is the champion of individuality and doing your own thing regardless of what anybody says or thinks whether or not his avant-garde style of music speaks to you his commitment to innovation should serve as inspiration to anyone who's ever had an original idea his music has been controversial from the very beginning but By removing form and strict harmony from his compositions, he managed to create a style of music that is more truly improvised than traditional jazz is. So there's that. He was known for playing a white plastic Grafton alto saxophone, but in this clip, he's playing a Selmer Mark VI with white lacquer and a low A key. (laughs) ¶¶ I love how they zoom in and read it. It's the sixties, you know. Extremes. Might be a little bit too close up though. Everything is extreme close ups. It's far out, I know. I recommend listening to Ornette Coleman with an open mind and without any expectations. You might find it liberating. In any case, he has had an enormous influence on saxophone players and music in general. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to improve your saxophone playing, I can strongly recommend the courses we offer at bettersax.com, which break away from traditional learning methods to give people a more fun and more effective way to get better on the saxophone. We have content for all levels of players. And if you haven't done so already, please go sign up for the free courses, free lessons, and free downloads over at bettersax.com. I'm sure you're going to find something over there you dig. Until next time, I'm Jay Metcalf and you've been listening to the better sacks podcast